We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Friday, December 27th, this is the Pack-A-Day podcast. Jacob Westendorf, I am here pinch hitting for Kyle and Andrew, the people you typically hear on Fridays, uh, but the holiday season has led to some chaos, so I completely understand that. And I am joined by somebody that you guys know well, and I do also, and that is Jason Perone. And Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for helping out here. Uh, how was your Christmas? Christmas was uh, wonderful. It wasn't 0% about me and all about my six-year-old son. So as you are now learning, that's going to be our life probably until we're gone. But I had to come back on also and pinch hit yet again because so I pinch hit for the Thursday show. And while the content was fun to talk about, my audio quality was not great. So I am trying to make up for my crappy sound, and I want to apologize to our audience for that as well. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, The Packers, as you guys know, gave us all an early Christmas present. They beat down the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night uh, by a final score of 23-10. to Green Bay's first win at U.S. Bank Stadium. A lot of positives coming out of that, obviously. Uh, Jason, real quick, I know it's Friday. Uh, we obviously have hashed that over and over and over again. But what's your biggest positive takeaway out of clinching the division, beating Minnesota uh, in that stadium? It's something actually that I discovered yesterday, which is that the Packers are only giving up 12.8 points per game to division opponents this season in five games. And they've got a chance to complete the season sweep against Detroit this weekend, and I think it was Detroit, and it actually was Detroit, that scored the most points in any game, which was 22. The Packers won 23-22 last time they faced the Lions. 
So when you think about what the expectations were coming into this season for the Bears and what the Vikings had been doing leading up to Monday night, I would have to say that that's big cat hats off to the defense. They may not have always played great every week, and they've had their, their ups and downs at times, but it's another example of the defense being kind of one of the more front and center headlines of the team this year. Yeah, I, I think there's no question who their strongest unit is uh, at this point in the year. Um, I think that, you know, the positive is there's something to be said about getting a monkey off your back, so to speak, and getting uh, that monkey, which is the inability that they had had to that point, winning at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, is, I think, a big positive. Uh, now they have to feel – I mean, that's a hostile environment. It's right up there in terms of home field advantages with New Orleans – Seattle, some of those places. <clears throat> Excuse me. Green Bay's got to feel really good about its chances should they have to go into a building like that, which knowing some of the scenarios this weekend, guys, here it is pretty cut and dry. Beating Detroit uh, is is a must, no doubt. Um, beating Detroit guarantees the Packers the two seed. And then all of our focus shifts to Sunday night football where the Seattle Seahawks will take on the San Francisco 49ers and yes, we will all feel unclean, but we are rooting for the Seattle Seahawks to win that game. And if that does happen, the road to the Super Bowl will go through Lambeau Field, which it hasn't done since 2011. Aaron Rodgers has talked about it before. There's a sound clip from the 2016 NFC Championship game where the Packers played the Falcons, where Rodgers is talking to Jordy Nelson in the midst of the blowout that took place and he basically said to Jordy, you know, we got to get one of these one of these games at home. Aaron Rodgers never played a home NFC Championship game. The Packers haven't played a home NFC Championship game since 2007 and we all know what happened there. So it's a big game this weekend and I think Jason that's the first matchup I really want to discuss because we talked about it uh, Monday night after the Packers win on Pulse about how the you know, one of the matchups here is Green Bay against themselves. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to the Detroit Lions. They're disrespectful enough to themselves. But I also think that what I'm saying is Green Bay played on Monday night. They have a short week, and Matt LaFleur chose to give his team Christmas Day off, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. Don't uh, misconstrue that. But the Packers will not have practiced until Thursday. And they're coming off an emotional big-time win. This is a hangover, letdown kind of spot against a Detroit team that knows the head coach is coming back. Uh, Not a lot of changes are going to be made, so you don't really have as much potential for the team to quit like you would when you know. Like last year against Detroit when it was Week 17 in Green Bay, I think a good majority of the team probably had a pretty good idea that Joe Philbin was not going to be the head coach. So I'm not saying they laid down, but maybe the motivation just wasn't there as much as it normally would be. But I think that this is a classic letdown spot, and this is a place where the Packers cannot afford a letdown game. Green Bay has played, uh, they had the late bye, which is beneficial, but they've played a lot of road games since then. I think a week off would do the team some good, and obviously that gives you, if the Green Bay's the three seed, the likelihood that they play two home games is pretty low. If they're the two seed, it's pretty high. Uh, so I think that or it, it at least increases your chances that only one team has to lose for you to play a second home game. 
in the playoffs. So, Jason, any concern whatsoever about this team having a letdown? The Packers have not played well at Ford Field in quite some time. Um, They won there in 2016. In 2015, it was the Hail Mary game, which was awesome, but uh, they trailed 20 to nothing in that game at one point. The previous year, 2014, they lost there 14 to 7, which prompted Rodgers to tell people to R E L A X, which we all remember. So I, I, I'm not real concerned about Detroit's home field advantage, but I do have at least a small bit of concern that Green Bay could be caught a little flat-footed going into a game that is against a team that's really bad after playing a team that's pretty good and winning in their home stadium. What's your level of concern on that? Well, I can see them coming out slowly. That's kind of what this team has done in, in spots where they've struggled in the past. This, they're, they're kind of getting back on track in a lot of ways this year compared to 2016, which was the last time they went to the playoffs. So beating Detroit would be another notch in that particular in that, that particular story because when they finally beat Minnesota in Minnesota, I think we all can throw, like you said, Week 17 last year out the window because it was just a, the most lackluster performance I've seen the Packers put up at Lambeau Field since... Honestly, since uh, Mike McCarthy's rookie season as head coach, and I think they got shellacked by the Jets, and I think that was the last time that that I saw them play that poorly. So I'm not as worried about them going on the road here. This is a different Packers team. This is a Packers team that doesn't care where they're playing. They don't care what the venue is. They don't care what the history is. They're just going to go out there and punch you in the mouth and try and win a football game. So I was just kind of looking real quick at some numbers here, and uh, on the defensive side of things for Detroit, you know, because if if the Packers are going to win, what do they have to do? They have to score points. So on the defensive side of things, um, the, the Lions play the run about as well as the Packers do, but they're giving up um, some of the most. They're actually giving up the most passing yards per game, and yards don't really mean a whole heck of a lot. So if you want to look at scoring, the Lions have get, are, are giving up the seventh most points per game at 26.7. And if the Packers are, are only going to give up, you know, they're giving up 19.5, that would seem to bode well. It just seems like if you get in the end zone three times against the Lions, who really don't have anything to play for, I think I've mentioned before their coaching staff has been given their, their security ticket for next year. They will be back, so Matt Patricia is back. GM Bob Quinn is back. You've, you're going to have a high draft pick. So are they are they going to play the game for towards that angle? I think the Packers would love it if they did. It's yeah. I think you're always worried about things can always go awry. You know, Aaron Rodgers threw a couple of uh, balls that were very uncharacteristic of what we know of him against the Vikings on Monday night. You get a couple turnovers early again, and who knows? You know, maybe. Maybe the Lions don't fold in half like the Vikings did. I mean, we can all think back to uh, 2010 where Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, and then the Packers just can't do – and, and he, they weren't doing much before he was he was hurt, but the Packers couldn't do a darn thing in that game. You just – you never know. That's why football is so intriguing because games can go sideways, but it's not what I expect to happen. No, ultimately I don't either. I mean, I, I do think Green Bay is going to win. I think they're the better team. I think that's been proven – all season long, even if they had some benefit from the officials the first time these two teams met. Um, you know, weird one-game samples like that just aren't going to matter that much. Like you mentioned, the Lions don't have a ton to play for, but something 
that they have had some success with against the Packers in the past is <laughs> there's a gentleman who is a beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks, and he calls certain players like against the Mavs all-stars. And the Lions have a couple of those guys. Um, now, granted, these guys are pretty good when they're not playing the Packers too, but Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay both have had some really nice and big moments against the Packers really since they both came to Detroit. Kevin King played perhaps his best game as a professional last week against Minnesota. Jair is Jair. We know that. Um, he's a he's a really good player. He's an ascending player. Yes, he got beat for a touchdown, but really didn't allow much else. He is clearly this team's number one cornerback. Tremont Williams has played really well. And you might have the ultimate old man matchup between him and Danny Amendola. Uh, they're in the slot for the Lions, <laughs> assuming Amendola is able to play which remains to be seen. But I think this is a big matchup in the tell of the game, too, because David Blau has had some nice moments since taking over as the quarterback on Thanksgiving Day. Um, That being said, he's still a third-string quarterback, and those moments really haven't been that sustained. He had a couple where the Bears busted a coverage deep down the field on Thanksgiving Day. That led to a touchdown. And that's really been the vast majority of it. And really, honestly, I mean, the Lions have some nice pieces. on Johnson, I think, is a good runner, but they don't protect particularly well. Uh, and those two receivers are really good. But if the quarterback is on his back, then those receivers aren't going to matter a whole hell of a lot. TJ Hawkinson, the number eighth overall pick, number eighth, that's really bad. Number eight overall pick that was drafted by Detroit. Uh, a lot of Packers fans wanted him. He's on injured reserve and will not play this weekend. So a disappointing end to what I still think will be a really good career for him, but he won't be there uh, to torment the Packers. on Johnson's the type of back that can, but he just it's one of those guys, like, it doesn't seem to matter who the Lions get, how talented of a running back they have. They don't seem to be able to use them all that well. So I think this game really does, on the defensive side of the ball, come down to the two outside guys and the edge rushers against their tackles uh, being able to get to Blau and harass him a little bit. So... Jason, what I want to ask is, I mean, I know the Packers typically don't do a whole lot of shadowing, but there are some, you could see on Sunday night, for example, the Packers had their preference to, they'd rather have Jair Alexander on Stephon Diggs than they would on Adam Thielen. And that played itself out pretty well. I mean, Thielen had a had a goose egg, like I mentioned on Monday night, and Stephon Diggs didn't wreck the game. He had a big catch for a touchdown, and he had a big third down reception, and I think that was about it. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot against the Packers defense but these guys they've had some they had some nice moments uh they hit the Packers deep early in that Monday night showdown a few weeks back um so I mean what are you looking at here from the outside corners against their uh the Packers uh or excuse me the Lions wide receivers well they have to make a statement I've been waiting for the secondary to make and Kevin King has made a lot of splash plays he leads the team in picks this season but I've been waiting for the secondary to make that signature play so this team knows what's in front of them. You, you mentioned what Aaron Rodgers said to Jordy Nelson. I guarantee you he's told his locker room the same thing. We need a home game. We need home games in January. So Darius Smith, Preston Smith played like they won a home game in January. The pivotal game in everybody's eyes was Monday night against the Vikings and then week 17 against the Lions. You just take care of business. But it's a road game and they still have to play well. So, yeah, Galladay with the double move, I think I think it was was it wasn't it Galladay who made the the catch on the flea flicker to start the Lions game. Correct. Yeah, and Marvin Jones didn't play uh, particularly 
great in that first matchup earlier this season in Lambeau Field. But he's got a lot of talent, and that, and that team is – they've got weapons. Like Karrion Johnson comes back. Now the quarterback is going to be the big key, obviously. You know, is he going to be able to take advantage of those guys against the Packers? I want to see Green Bay show up in Week 17 putting a big, massive, bleeping stamp on this season and charging into January instead of limping in. Because what they've also done, too, is in big games like Minnesota, they come up big, they need to, we're very encouraged by it, we get excited, we get on the, we get on the shows, and you know we're dropping bombs all over the place, right? <laughs> then, they, then they come up against a team like the Lions, and they still win the game. This year's Packers team is still winning that type of game, but maybe they don't look as good. Zedarius Smith doesn't get any sags. Preston, Preston Smith doesn't get any sags. There's no interceptions. It's just kind of a clunky victory, and you know they get a late score to to run away with it. I'm kind of hoping that the secondary makes makes a statement because turnovers are going to be very important against these really good quarterbacks that they're going to be facing in January. And so, get your tune up, get your confidence. I've been waiting all season long. I've said it. I feel like a bunch of times, and I apologize for repeating it over and over again. Jake, you've heard me say it a thousand times. I'm still waiting for that big play from Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage in particular. And no better place to get it than on the road, week 17, you know, stomping into the playoffs and gain some confidence because those are, you know, it's a young bunch. They need it. Yeah, looking at David Blau here real quick. So I mentioned his first game, he threw for 280 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, pass rating of 87.6, which is pretty good. Since then, his passer ratings have been 60.9 against Minnesota, a 54.4 against Tampa Bay, and a 78. He played pretty well last week against Denver. Um, for that, but total on the year, he has four touchdowns, he has five interceptions, uh, 68.8 rating, uh, which is safe to say that's that's not very good. Uh, and some of the defenses, I mean, Chicago's got a pretty good defense, but he played well against them, and that was probably largely because of the unknown factor and a couple busted coverages. Minnesota has a good defense, Tampa Bay and Denver really don't, uh, and he hasn't played particularly well. It's uh, it's just something that the Packers need to take advantage of because ultimately this is a game like Jason, you and I talk about it all the time, make your layups. And this is a layup. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but the lions, they have three wins on the season. They're guaranteed a top five draft pick. This is a bad team. The Packers should beat up on and get themselves at minimum a first round buy here defensively. The fact that Blau is as turnover happy as he typically is bodes well for the green Bay defense. Because while recently the Packers' defense hasn't been as reliant upon turnovers, it never hurts to have those either, those big plays that give your offense an opportunity. You saw it. Those are game-changing kind of plays. Kevin King's interception led to the Packers' go-ahead touchdown for a lead that they would not relinquish on Monday night. So that's something I think that you need to look for on the defensive side of the ball. On offense... The last time the Packers played the Lions, it really was, honestly, I thought, a case of just being unable to get out of their own way. Aaron Jones fumbled. That's pretty uncharacteristic. Oddly enough, Aaron Jones has two fumbles this season, and both of them have come on Monday Night Football, so that's a weird oddity that comes with statistics. But Jones fumbled. He dropped an easy touchdown pass, and then it took some Rodgers heroics at the end of the game just completing passes to guys that hadn't played a whole hell of a lot. The difference now is some of these guys are more experienced. Alan Lazard is not an unknown dude that they just threw out there anymore. 
Uh, they've got some different, I mean, they're doing some different things with the tight ends. I'm not 100% sure what their plan with Jay Sternberger is. I can't imagine, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Jimmy Graham or some of those guys, but I just don't know what Sternberger can't give you that Graham can. At this point, that probably just is what it is, and the Packers are just going to have to deal with, and the fan base really are just going to have to deal with what they're doing at that tight end position. The running back position, though, is interesting going into this weekend's game because Jamal Williams, now granted we don't have the injury update right now, but Jamal Williams did leave Monday's game with a shoulder injury and did not return. Uh, the one practice that they had so far this week was a walkthrough, and he did not participate. Well, it wasn't even a walkthrough. They just uh, they did the injuries based on what would have happened. Yeah, so Jamal Williams would have been a DNP on Wednesday. We'll see if he play is able to play on Sunday, but if he's not, then that kind of makes things interesting in the backfield just because Dexter Williams has been a healthy scratch pretty much the entire season. Maybe they use Tyler Irvin more, which is something they did interestingly enough on Monday night. I think that that could be a tool in the belt for Matt LaFleur, if you will, to go forward. But on the offensive side of the ball, I really do. I just think this is as simple as do what you've done all year long. One of the reasons the Lions were able to hold a lead as late in that game is because the Packers had uncharacteristic plays, uncharacteristic turnovers. Darius Shepard fumbled on a punt. He's not here anymore. He also tipped an interception on a pass that could have been a touchdown uh, to a Lions defender when the Packers were in the red zone. So Shepard's not around anymore. Those pass attempts will go to Kumaro, somebody else. doesn't really matter who. Um, But the Packers, it really is, I think, just take care of the ball, move the ball down the field methodically like you have all season long, utilize that running game, get that play-action pass going, I really think what you saw Monday night, Peter Bukowski of Packer Report, Locked on Packers, all kinds of stuff, did a really interesting story at Packer Report about how the Packers' process on offense was solid, even if the results weren't necessarily there. They used a lot of play action. They threw the ball over the middle of the field. They ran the ball well. It just, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Now, they were thankfully able to overcome that and get a win. I think that that's something that I'd like to see more of, though, on Sunday afternoon. So, My biggest thing on offense, like I mentioned, protect Aaron Rodgers. That's always going to be a paramount, especially against a team that they have some decent players on the defensive line, so they're able to get after the quarterback. But there are holes in this secondary if the Packers have time to exploit them. I just think that it really is as simple as take care of the ball and good things will happen for you. Jason, what are you looking at for the offensive side of the ball? Point up front. Continue the success they had up front. Then all those things will happen. I think they have to run the football. This isn't a game where Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball 40 times and he shouldn't be having to throw it 40 times against the Lions. And I don't think that formula really works for the for these Packers, at least not this season. Maybe it will next year after they've had a full year of offseason and everything else with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers together. But went up front and just, I mean, the, the, the offensive line was just absolutely phenomenal against the Vikings. And they've got really good pass rushers. I mean, what they're going to see against Detroit is, you know, they're professional players, but they're nowhere near as motivated as the Vikings were. The Vikings still had something to play for. Detroit has three victories, and, man, what a long way the Lions have fallen since that first meeting. I remember getting into it all week after that Monday night game with Lions fans who said their season was they were going to get cheated, and then and the Packers were lucky to win that game, and the hands-to-the-face call, and lo and behold... Little did we know if we had a crystal ball and would have said, hey, listen, you're, you're going to maybe win three games this season. You might want to focus your energy somewhere else. Uh, I, I just think the Packers have, you know, like you said, it's, it's, 
it's the proverbial layup, and that's not like it's not meant to be disrespectful to to Detroit. But the Packers have just proven to be a team that can win games like this. So they just they got to get it done, and it obviously protect the football. Yes, but you know I'm sitting here listening to you. I had completely forgotten about the Shepard pass drop or the bobble, and it is crazy to me to think that this team has survived some of the personnel that they had coming out of training camp. I think we all love Darius Shepard and hope that he was going to turn into a good receiver. But, you know, a full season later, realizing that he was out there in favor of uh, Jay Kumaro and, and two and, and Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is just, it's insane to me. I and mean, the story of this team, when it's all said and done, um, which obviously won't be until early February, is going to be a really fun one to remember and recount, I think. And, you know, hopefully it's not a catastrophic exit from the playoffs if they do. Because that was almost, Jake, a completely different team, at least on offense, than, than we're seeing now here in Week 17. Yeah, it was. It really is strange going back and looking through what happened that night and who some of the culprits, if you will, were. I mean, some of the things were pretty common. You know, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith changing the game with a couple of sacks later in the game. Yes, that's normal. Aaron Jones fumbling and dropping touchdown passes, not normal. Uh, Darius Shepard being on the field, obviously not normal. And he may still turn into a player, but I think that he was definitely somebody that could have used some time on the practice squad. And now they're able to give him that opportunity to play on the practice squad and earn some. And we'll see what happens next year. I mean, I don't. It kind of drives me nuts that the Packers are 12 and 3 and potentially the number one seed in the NFL playoffs. And the, the they have a chance to finish tied for the best record in the NFL if they win on Sunday. Because uh, the, the Ravens are not going to play their starters, so they're likely, or they should probably drop that game against Pittsburgh, which would drop them to 13-3. and three. And we're talking about what the Packers need in terms of the draft and who they need to replace and who's going to be on the 2020 roster. Well, let's worry about winning the 2019 Super Bowl because that's something that can happen. And I wasn't sure that it could. Monday night, i got to tell you guys, and I'm going to hear this on my prediction, Monday night I was definitely not doing well. Um, Previously, I had discussed that I thought the Packers were going to get blown off the field, and it's a situation that they hadn't won there a whole lot. Well, they hadn't won there at all, and they hadn't really played well there. And they proved me completely wrong, and I'm eating crow here publicly like I did all night. You guys were a lot of fun with that too, so thank you for that. But I think this team is, it looks different. It's not what we're accustomed to, which is, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing, you know, four touchdowns and Green Bay winning 28 to 17 or, you know, 45 to 10. I don't know if they'll do that, but they just, they, they find ways to win. And I think that that's something that I say it all the time. I think we watch too much college football where style points matter. And this time around style points aren't going to matter in the playoffs. If Green Bay wins the Super Bowl 13 to 10, I don't care. Uh, I just want that to happen. So we'll see how that goes. But getting into the prediction, that's where I'm going to say where this game maybe isn't uh, as ugly, if you will, as it normally has been. I think Green Bay wins 31-10. to uh, And I think that they are primed for one of those signatures. And I don't know if it will happen necessarily fast, but I do think Matt LaFleur has done a good job of whether winning or losing, turn the page, let's move to next week. Turn the page, let's move to next week. It sounds cliche about going 1-0 and every week, but they really have embraced that on this team. I think the Lions are going to be less than motivated, 
and they're playing a bad quarterback. If Matthew Stafford was playing, he's had a lot of success against the Packers. Uh, well, sort of, from that standpoint at least. Uh, he's he's had some success against the Packers. It would worry me a little bit more if Stafford was playing, but he's not. David Blau is. And I'm just not all that worried about anything that they could potentially do to Green Bay. That Green Bay, I think they have a ton of matchup advantages in this game. I think Green Bay wins, and I think they win going away, and they can they get themselves at minimum a first round bye. That can't hurt at all. So that's what I have. I think Green Bay wins big. Jason, you're typically the more grounded one of the two of us. What do you got here? As if I was predicting an upset, which I'm absolutely, absolutely not going to do. The Packers are going to win this game 27-14, and I think the only way the Lions score more than that is if they somehow get a defensive uh, points on defense, which let's just hope that that does not happen. So uh, it, the recipe is just not good. All the things kind of fall to, to Green Bay's favor. And, Jake, this season, unlike a lot of others, in terms of the thing that we call luck, which is a really stupid, yeah, I've never been a big fan of luck, and you know you have to get lucky in football and this and that. And, you know the only thing that's lucky in football really is which way the ball bounces because it's an oblong shaped ball. But right. the Packers have been very fortunate this season. When you think about where they've gotten their matchups, when they had some big games, what those matchups were, what they could have been, what they ended up being, you know they. They turn in a clunker against the Chargers. Well, the Chargers happen to be an AFC team, so that wasn't a very painful loss. And I think everybody else in the division lost that day, too. So the Packers have gotten very fortunate. Matt Stafford, you know, dealing with an injury. Saw a cool video of he and his wife visiting a local family in Detroit, taking them some Christmas gifts. I think they had just lost their dad, which was kind of cool. So Matt Stafford is a good guy. For as much shade as we throw at some of these guys because we have – the, the rivalry, the friendly rivalry. Um, you know, Matt Stafford is, is a good guy, but he's not going to play in this game. And the Lions have to go with what they got. So I don't think there's any any way that Green Bay fumbles this one up. And, and they head into uh, the playoffs uh, riding high. You look at Matt LaFleur and what he says after the games, and it's very clear that he wants to keep this team grounded and focused. And what about, I mean, you have to think about what if, what if, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith aren't on this team this year because those two guys are really handling some business um, inside the building and stuff that we don't see. And, that, and I think a lot of that's translating out onto the field with some of the younger guys. You know, this, this team just has a really good focus. So as much as we've given a hard time to the administration, Mark Murphy, Brian Budakunz, at least this season, I mean, it, it looks like it's at least – at least a three-run homer, to put it in baseball terms, Jake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and whether or not it's a grand slam will be, you know, I've been talking about how, well, let's see, we've gotten Zadarius Smith snubbed from a Pro Bowl, so let's make him an All-Pro. Let's snub him from Defensive Player of the Year and make up for that with a Super Bowl MVP or something like that. Let's just see what happens. But ultimately, that starts with what's in front of them. Packers beat the Lions on Sunday. They will have a first-round bye, and we will all be – choking back vomit as we try and root for the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night, but that is exactly what I will be doing for the betterment of the Packers, and let's get Seattle uh, a win so that the road to the Super Bowl goes through the frozen tundra. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Pack-A-Day Pod. 
podcast. Typically on Fridays, you'll hear Andrew Murtag and Kyle Fellows. Thanks to those guys for letting us do this. Today, I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year, a Happy Holiday Season, all of those sorts of things. Uh, follow the show on Twitter. That's at Packaday Podcast. You can follow Jason. He is at Jason Perrone. And you can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Mostly stuff about the Packers and quite a bit of the baby as well. So if you're into those sorts of things, then you'll probably find me to be a pretty good follow. And Jason, uh, well, he tweets a lot about the Packers. So that's kind of what we do here. Uh, and some really bad jokes. I think those come from both of us. But that's, I think those are called dad jokes. Is that what they call those? Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, okay. So we've got dad jokes in here. So we've got that expertise there as well. Um, but yeah, thanks you guys for listening. Packers Lions on Sunday. Hopefully they come up with a win and a first round buy. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.